Today on the intelligent asset, data governance in the energy and utility sector. What we've tended to see now is utilities facing new challenges. They've got you know energy transition where they're trying to build better uh, resilience into their network uh, with older assets, um, with higher demands on those assets, with pressures to become more efficient. And so the complexity of the problems they're trying to solve really start to drive into the need for data. Our enterprise is ready for LLMs and, and generative AI. Being able to trace, Brian used the, the word earlier, you know, lineage from a data perspective, but then also trace why a model offered you know, an, an idea and why an action was taken is going to become critical. A lot of the conversations we're having with senior leadership is comes inevitably to questions around audit, compliance, um, data security, et cetera, because those are the things that general counsel and CEOs are inevitably going to um, be interested in having good answers for. Welcome to The Intelligent Asset, a podcast on digitizing enterprise asset management, developing intelligent interactions, and building systems of intelligence for asset operations. For industry professionals who work in EAM and facilities management across transportation, public sector, utilities, manufacturing, and large enterprises. We want to tie the global challenges we all share to the world of EAM and how we can make change for the better, building a more sustainable collective future. And this episode is brought to you by IBM Maximo, the world's leading enterprise asset management system. I'm Sam Williams, and today I'm joined by Casey Worth and Brian Sachs. Hello to both of you. So, Casey, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll we'll turn to, to Brian. Sure, Sam. <clears throat> Thanks for having us. Uh, looking forward to the discussion today. Um, I'm coming to you from Boise, Idaho, in the Rocky Mountains in the States. Uh, my role at IBM is I'm the general manager of the energy industry within our global industry uh, team. Uh, my responsibilities include uh, the development of our uh, go-to-market strategies, working with our client teams, our partners, as well as with our product teams on creating uh, differentiated and, and targeted solutions to help our clients in this sector solve critical business problems across the portfolio of IBM technology and our services. So uh, we're the guys and gals who wake up every day and think about the energy and um, and other you know heavy industry uh, heavy asset industry uh, focus areas and and work across IBM to bring value to our clients in the sector. Thanks for having me. Great, and and Brian, also happy to be here. Um, I'm Casey's technical counterpart. I'm the chief technology officer for the energy industry uh, at IBM, based out of Toronto, Canada. Um, Casey and I have the opportunity to work with clients globally. Uh, been in, within the utility industry for over twenty years and in various roles and. Um, really, my job is to help take technology um, and apply it to solve the challenges that we're seeing within the energy industry, um, which more and more these days is being driven by the energy transition. Happy to be here. Brian, what are some of the key data governance challenges from your perspective as a CTO? Data governance is one of those items that's been on the agenda for as long as I've been in the business. Um, it's always been something that's been recognized as a value to the business. But it's been um, incredibly difficult, uh, not just from a technology perspective, but from a political perspective, uh, to be able to implement properly across the entire enterprise. And typically what we've seen, uh, utilities, like many other large companies, have built out systems where they've got 
very tight definitions around the data and the type of processing that happens, but it's it's siloed within that particular application. And that service the utilities very well for, for many, many years. Um, they haven't had enough desire or, or enough real um, justification to look at more holistic problems that cross data across these different systems. Um, what we've tended to see now is utilities um, are facing new challenges. They've got you know, energy transition where they're trying to build better uh, resilience into their network uh, with older assets, um, with higher demands on those assets, with pressures to become more efficient. And so the complexity of the problems they're trying to solve really start to drive into the need for data, into the need for artificial intelligence, in, into the need of this, this cross-disciplinary um, uh, function that, that's going to allow them to solve some of these problems. And where they run into is we don't have the quality data to allow us to innovate and to do it quickly and to do it effectively. Um, what ends up happening is they'll find that the data they need is not available to them or it's trapped in systems that they don't have access to. Um, they can't trust that data or it doesn't have the quality of data. There could be multiple different versions of the same piece of data. They don't know what to trust. They can't trace the lineage. Where did this data come from? Um, what, what transformations have happened to this data along the way? Uh, what it, that really leads to is a very large piece of work at the start of a project, um, which oftentimes derails it or really slows you down from being innovative. Um, so really what our, our clients are, are, are looking at now is we have these challenges. We know that we can do something with data. How do we start to establish that kind of trusted foundation of data, that governed data that's going to allow us to be effective, allow us to innovate, and really start tackling the problems that are in front of us. And I guess, um, Casey, from a from a business perspective, you know, what would you describe the um, state of of understanding about the the significance of data in, in the utilities um, sector? So I, I would say it's nascent, and, and I think most CIOs we speak to and other um, IT leaders. <clears throat> are oftentimes talking about looking to find a partner within their business, be it a you know a chief customer officer, VP of transmission or distribution, or or other who they can partner with to drive a, a program around data driven decision making and and start to create this framework of a data architecture as a partnership, so that they can then drive towards business outcomes, which then can be a catalyst to broaden the portfolio or, or the, the, the architecture or the procedures across the business. I think um, I'm, I'm thinking, as I say, I don't think we've met with a CIO in the last year and a half or so who, when we bring up this topic, just, you know, nailed it. I'm done. Right. It's always a question of, oh yeah, that's on the list. It's just never the priority because there's too many other things to get done. And so I think it's, it's, but I mean, that said, there are oftentimes um, opportunities to partner with different leaders on the on the business side who are saying, "I do want to be the exemplar." Um, it may not it may not be an easy task necessarily, but I want to be the exemplar within our organization to partner to drive this because either they see through POCs or POTs other examples of how we could get faster business value, which drives their key 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 metrics, but also you know every organization has individuals who want to be. Um, you know, innovating and or proving out that there's a better way that we can try to solve something. So I think the customer space is an example is a place where um, certainly as we look at the impact of renewables and a better engagement around topics like EV adoption 
or uh, demand response programs and things like that is, and, and if, I mean, even the more basic, just are we doing the right billing? Are people at the right address, et cetera? And then in an outage, do we have the right contact information, et cetera, to be communicating effectively? These are all really easy examples to say, why don't we pick one and just start to do a, I don't want to say an audit, but examine, do we feel confident about the data we have in this domain? And, and use this as, again, as an exemplar of how we can, how a client or an organization can start to build that capability and then broaden it. I think, I think the alternative from a business perspective is there are some IT leaders who want to drive a, um, an edict that they'll bring a data governance and a complete architecture and a model and, and apply it and all. And unfortunately for, for any of you listening who are, who are wanting to attempt that, we, I have not seen that be successful. I don't think Brian, you have either. Um, there is a lot of potential challenges that way, as opposed to going a bit more of a grass, grassroots um, method and then expand with small wins. Are enterprises ready for LLMs and, and generative AI? Sure. Um, really interesting question. There's a couple of dynamics here, which I think are, are really exciting um, and challenges that we need to face. The first one, um, if I look at the use of artificial intelligence within our industry, um, it's been somewhat slow to adopt for several reasons. Um, one of them is the complexity of trying to build these models quickly, um, but also trying to get executive support uh, in order to roll them out has been a challenge and trying to get adoption from end users has been a challenge. Um, with the introduction of Gen AI, both of those problems have changed drastically. Casey and I see um, you know, clients every week and every C-suite conversation that we have is focused on generative AI. The, the C-suite is now talking about artificial intelligence and they're looking to their um, uh, executive leadership team to use this technology to find new efficiencies in games that they haven't seen before. So where in the past we've been struggling to justify enterprise-wide data governance, we now have um, a, a, a reason. We now have um, the executive sponsorship. We now have the drive that, that's going to allow us to actually move forward and put these foundational pieces in place. Um, the other thing I'd say with generative AI, there is a lot of use cases which rely on publicly available data. And so we might be using regulatory information, which is public. We might be using our own public website. These are sources of information that are already available to us. Um, and we can instantly bring results to without having to worry about some of the nitty gritty challenges that we have within data governance. Um, what it's doing, though, is it allows us to learn while we start to put the foundational pieces in place so we can start to tackle some of those new use cases that are reliant on the data that utilities struggle with from a data governance perspective. Yeah, it kind of sounds like there's a, a two-speed uh, kind of dimension to this. It's like getting your internal data into a robust, you know, meaningful uh set that you can rely on at the same time as being able to access what's in the public domain and put some guide rails around what's in the in the public domain yeah and just to add there i think um again from an executive leadership focus there's certainly a lot of excitement and then there's a lot i wouldn't say trepidation but there's certainly concern around governance of how to apply these models and then more importantly when when we start to rely on models to be doing decision making, for instance, in the asset space, I mean there will there will have to be an auditability if if a decision is made that ends up being not necessarily the right one, or if in the moment of an outage, you know, we, we go back and realize that something was done. Being able to trace, Brian used the, the word earlier, you know, lineage from a data perspective, but then also trace why a model 
offered you know an, an idea and why an action was taken is going to become critical. A lot of the conversations we're having with senior leadership is comes inevitably to questions around audit, compliance, um, data security, et cetera, because those are the things that general counsel and CEOs are inevitably going to um, be interested in having good answers for. concept or proofs of technology and doing these i would i would offer to anyone listening i mean fail fast and move quickly is, is an important thing because you through the through the actual um process of doing projects you do learn a lot of things not only about to brian's point the quality the access the ease or or or, or unease of getting access to what you need to to be able to have an outcome with the model but also just learning some of the potential you know considerations as you expand um, the corpus of data you're pointing models at. As an example, you know, in the States, we have some very large documents that are submitted to the utility commissions um, in, in form of rate cases, and everybody has a regulatory body that looks after them in our industry. Some of these files are so large that models need to break them into smaller pieces just to process them. Then you run into a problem of if you're cutting in the middle of a sentence, do I now lose the, do I lose the value of the sentence because I've put it in two pieces? Or do I need the model knitted back together? These sorts of things when you, it's not a data governance like an architecture, but it is a data governance question in terms of how do I bring in data sets and or important things I want to I want to apply technology against. But in doing so, you'll understand potentially the limitations and then change the scope necessarily of the projects. Uh, so, I mean, again, going through the steps is really valuable. We're seeing quickly a lot of clients go, okay, now I'm starting to get a perspective of how we would do this from a, a production um, perspective, which is really important because that also then gets set up to senior leadership as to set your right expectations because we're learning. Casey touched on a really important point. What we've seen with generative AI is a new class of governance uh, that we would consider model governance. Um, it's different than the traditional data governance that we're going to be talking about a lot here, but really it comes down to as I start using this foundation models, as I start um, uh, customizing them, training them, doing prompt training, um, as I start thinking about which applications are using which models, I need ways to track that. I need to know how these large language models were trained. I need to be able to start looking for things like drift and bias. So we have this, this notion of the data governance, which gets our data in a position that we can um, execute all sorts of, uh, of data projects, artificial intelligence projects, um, you know, generative AI projects. But then we need this this new class of uh, capability to really help us drive governance on the models and the way in which we use them. Uh, the dimension that's interesting to me is it's applying the principles of data governance. I think it's it's really about people understanding that it's the application of key principles to the management of all sorts of different data that you rely on to make decisions and solve complex problems. You're right. And it's not just a technology problem. It really is um, a, a change in the corporate culture, the way in which we treat data um, and the processes that we put in place in order to deal with, with that data. Um, the, the technology is really tools that we need to implement as, as an assist but unless we have that holistic viewpoint, we're not going to get to where we need to be. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, take an example in the asset space. If you've got a field worker that we want to make accessible to them um, 
maintenance records through a chatbot. Do you want to expose, and we've got an asset that, you know, a field asset maybe that's been in the field for decades. How much of that information is relevant? Is it all relevant? Is, and where's the cutoff to, to prevent potential um, hallucination or other, you know, un, uh, unfortunate outcomes of leveraging that model? And so that's where, again, really understanding the use case and then creating not data ponds or data swamps, but curating what you provide a model to then provide an outcome for the use case is really important. And again, that's, you know, we've got some ideas of these things, obviously with Maximo, we've got a, a, a major focus on how to enable within our client base quickly those, you know, new outcomes leveraging this technology, but it's going to be a process of for each client and each organization learning what is our model? How would we apply that tool to it to get the right information to the individuals who want to leverage it, you know, for the use case. That, that's definitely going to be a process for all of our clients. Yeah, I think a, a key takeaway from my experience of the discussions that are going on around generative AI is that it's, it's more than a piece of technology. It, it's really about people, process, and technology, and, you know, like never before. Because you're you're effectively using something that is a powerful mimic of human intelligence uh, to solve human problems in the context of um, processes and culture. It's quite fundamental that when you're looking at this, that you're looking holistically across all three of those things. But I mean, when you say that, it's funny because we also talk about people, process, and technology in the context of the broader data governance topic in, in an enterprise. I mean, yes, we can bring it down to the level of Gen AI, but you know, there's a whole focus on, when we go back to the question about how do you roll one of these programs out, providing a really powerful um, data architecture with analysis and, and AI at your fingertips. If you don't have an organization of people ready and willing to become a data-driven organization, then it's really not, it's, it's an interesting science experiment, but it's not going to drive what I think a lot of uh, business leaders are expecting. So it's a key, that triumvirate is really critical of the tech is one piece, but understanding how it can drive outcomes. And then also what do we change? Because again, if, if, we, if we think about the grid, if we could get 15 second pings off every smart meter, but the upstream systems have no capacity to do anything about that data, is it valuable or not? Because fundamentally, there's no differentiated outcome versus if we can really put in the hands of the operators or, or other you know, uh, leaders of, of a business different data that they can then make different decisions, which then has an impactful outcome. Now we're talking about a really transformational technology. Um, generative AI, it's a new capability, but it doesn't replace traditional artificial intelligence. It's a new capability. We're still going to see a lot of these problems solved with traditional artificial intelligence. Um, and I think what's exciting for me, at least, is that the focus on getting our data ready because of Gen AI is going to enable those other traditional AI use cases um, along the way. One of the things that we wanted to talk about was what are some of the roles around data governance? And, and I suppose this kind of comes back to how do you establish a culture around managing your data so you know having roles and responsibilities is is kind of an obvious component of it but how do you how do you affect that cultural shift 
I think it's a really important question. Um, and it really comes down to that, you know, and use the word, we, we've said it several times, but that cultural um, shift that needs to happen within the utility uh, in order to allow them to, to um, execute and adopt these kind of programs. So if I think about, you know, who had access to data, it was very specific individuals for very specific purposes for very specific systems. And if you want to do anything beyond that, there's a significant amount of effort, right? So what do you need? What do you need from that? You need people like data architects and data engineers who you know have the nuts and bolts and know how to move data around and do transformations and that type of work. You now get into the notion of something called a data steward, which is somebody who's a business level user who really understands what the intent of that data is. And as we start thinking about a, a wide scale data governance program, those types of roles become increasingly important, where that person now has responsibility to you know, know that I own this particular piece of, of data or, or insight, right? It's, um, um, this is the, the definitive source that we're gonna use. I'm gonna make sure that it's going to stay viable um, and usable by other people within the organization. So you, that role starts to expand, it becomes really important. Then you have the people who use the data, which is traditionally a business analyst or a data um, scientist. Um, and those roles are incredibly important. And what we wanna do with them and what we wanna enable with this kind of a program is to get the right data with the right quality, with the right level of trust, with the right level of security to whoever needs it to do their job. So we're expanding beyond the traditional role of a data scientist to something we would call a, a citizen data scientist, right? How do we let people across the organization get access to that data while knowing the quality of that data, while being able to understand the lineage of that data, um, while having the secure access rights to that data, while tracing who's using that data for privacy uh, you know, regulations and reporting we need to do. That's really, you know, a, a critical new function that we need to enable with this um, data governance platform. And those are some of the kind of the technical roles. I think above that is people like the chief privacy officer or a chief um, and a, a chief uh, data officer. And these roles um, traditionally haven't had sufficient power to be able to execute a data governance program effectively across the, across the organization. And I think what we're seeing now is that, um, you know, this team of, you know, executive leadership um, combined with the technical capabilities uh, are getting the power and the mission really to, to change the data situation within our utilities. As we come to the end of 2023, what do you see as being the, the top three things from your perspective that are keeping CIOs up in the utilities uh, sector? Casey, do you want to go first? I don't want to steal your answers, but sure. <laughs> I don't want to steal yours. <laughs> I think security is always tantamount with CIOs. Um, and it's, it, it, it waxes and wanes in terms of the criticality of what's happening in the, in the overall industry, but security always, I think we've got very interesting discussions going on around quantum and QSafe specifically as I think every CIO and CISO is always wanting to look forward at what do I need to be anticipating and understanding. So security continues to be the resiliency of assets. If you can't communicate with the assets is irrelevant if you can't keep your network secure and, and communication going. So I don't think that ever changes. And I think most CIOs would tell you that that, continues to be the thing that they focus on firstly. Um, secondly, I think that, you know, it's it's a great topic because we AI has been around. I think that we are in a moment of great excitement. There's no question of that, um, which is great for us in the technology space. But again, again, I think we're quickly moving towards um, focusing on things that have more tangible or focused outcomes and then and really starting to get to work with technology to understand what it can and more importantly, what it can't do. Because 
that is important to understand and set context. And then thirdly, I think um, overall, the idea of, of, of this energy transition, it's a very broad topic, but most CIOs I, I speak in the, in the industry are saying, I don't want this to happen to me. I want to at least be a part of a, you know, a team that is enabling us to be better in this, this new future we're going to have. And that cuts across, it's, maybe it's a cop out of an answer, but it cuts across all pieces of the IT as well as operational stack in terms of what new capabilities, what new expectations will come of our organizations and how do we prepare. I don't think many of us, all of us in the provider side have lots of ideas. And I think a lot of our clients are looking to build out those visions. But in the next 20 years, we're going to have a massive um, uh, transformation, not uh, not a negative word, but a transformation in the industry. And I think that that is a real focus of most of the leaders I speak with. Tune in for the next episode of The Intelligent Asset, where I'll be discussing the impact of ESG frameworks on the utility sector with Brian Sachs and Casey Worth from IBM. Mm-hmm.